So today, we are going to be finishing up this series that we have called The Upside Down Kingdom. And so if this is your first time in this series, the reason that we called it the Upside Down Kingdom is because Jesus, when he came, he came in all honesty, not just to die and raise again to pay for your sins, to pay for my sins, to pay for the sins of the whole world. But he actually came with that as a foundation that was laid in creating a whole new kingdom that would be totally different than this earthly kingdom that we live in, the earthly realm. And so everything about this new kingdom of God would be absolutely upside down. The rules would be upside down. The kingdom's authority and how that authority is exercised, it would be different. It would, and sometimes even opposite from everything that mankind would know about how to operate. And so as we close this series this week, I kind of quickly want to go back and help you understand what we've been building through the teachings that we've been doing for the last six or nine months even to show you this new kingdom. So the series we did before this series was called Be the Church. And that entire church, the idea was, and the thing that we looked at and the question we asked is, why are we here? Why are we the church? And what we discovered was that God's plan for us, Jesus' ultimate plan for us individually, as well as for, for a church, is to go into our worlds anywhere that we can be and to be his light, to be his love, and to share him with others and to share his church with others, and ultimately to mentor people in the faith to make disciples. We actually call it the Great Commission. And so after three and a half years of teaching and exemplifying the rules of this kingdom, Jesus, he gathered up all his disciples. And before he left, he said, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them. And so from there, we launched into this upside down kingdom where I began to explain what it means to be a disciple of Christ, making disciples, and how we are supposed to execute this great commission that he gave us. And what we've discovered is that Jesus came not only to pay for the sins of man, but also to establish this kingdom. And in this kingdom, there are kings and queens. And we discussed how we become kings and queens in this kingdom because of who we are. It wasn't about actions or being good enough or being smart enough, being spiritual enough. It was about relationship, relationship with God, that we have to accept his free gift of salvation so that we can have a relationship with him first and foremost. And then last fall, we did a series called Revived. And it was all about how we can have a relationship with God and specifically with the Holy Spirit that had been left here on the earth so that we could walk in relationship with Him. And we talked about that once you have a relationship with God uh, through foundational principles of this upside down kingdom, that the greatest among us will be the other's servant. And we, and we spent a lot of time talking about servanthood and all the things that go along with that, uh, like love. And Paul helped us unpack what love actually means, like compassion and kindness, patience, gentleness, all those things. And Paul would actually also in Galatians give us the fruit of the spirit, which he would add more things to that. But the idea was that within this kingdom, it wasn't enough to operate in the kingdom just to have a relationship with God. But if that relationship with God, if we actually had it, it would exemplify itself in how we treat others, servanthood, love, and everything that that entails. 
And we go into this in much more depth in a series that we did back in February of this year called Higher Love, where we talked about how to walk in not man's kind of love, but God's kind of love in the world around us. And then there was another side of it that we talked about, which is our authority in Christ. And Jesus taught all the time about our authority in Christ. He taught about his authority and that he would give it to us and how it would work by the very foundation of this kingdom, which was a foundation with God, that that was actually launched by us believing in our heart that Jesus died and rose from the dead and paid for our sins. And then if we spoke with their mouth that he was Lord, that we would be saved. In other words, we would have that relationship with him. And that manner of exercising our authority by believing and speaking within this kingdom of God, that that would apply to all the promises of God. It would, it would apply to provision, to healing, to any mountain that was in our life. That if we believe in our heart and do not doubt, but believe that what we say will come to pass, that it would be done for us. And last year, we actually go into great depth in this in a series called Words that we did. So you can kind of see how everything that we've talked about within this series, it comes full circle. And if you want to dig into any of those subjects in a deeper manner, you can go back to those series on our YouTube page or on our um or on our website to find out more about your relationship with God, servanthood, uh, and love. The most important thing that about our relationship with God is love, and then also our authority in Christ. And all of this for the purpose of mentoring people in the faith and making disciples. And so I think that Jesus understood that, um, that the natural progression of humans is selfishness. Once we get something that's given to us, like authority or the ability uh, to love others, that it's hard to make that toward others and not to heap it upon ourselves. Because we can remain comfortable in the promises of God, but never ever fulfill our calling individually or even collectively as a church. So Jesus takes an amazing opportunity to explain this to his disciples and everybody around. When he meets this guy, he was a Jewish man. And he was hated, this guy was hated by all the other Jews because he was a tax collector. You see, when Jesus arrived on earth, the Jews, they felt like they were different than every other country. They, they felt like they were God's chosen people. They were different than everybody else's country. Their country was founded on God and his principles and what God wanted to do on the earth. A lot like what we would consider, many of us would consider America. And see, Israel, these people called the Jews, they felt like they were God's chosen people, but they had been invaded by another, another empire, the Romans. And, it was in, and they were invaded by their military, their politics, their social st standards. And this is when Jesus shows up on the scene. And so rumors start. People start whispering, is he the Messiah? Because it had been prophesied that there would be one that would come that would set free the captives. And if you were, if we were uh, captured by an outside force, the first thing that we would think of if a Messiah was supposed to come and deliver us from oppression, the first thing that we would automatically think is that it would be governmental and political and social and in, in addition to anything else. And the Jews were no different. And one of the things that Rome would do is they would take 
they would collect taxes from this occupied nation, the Jews. And what they would do is they would recruit Jewish men to enforce that tax collection for Rome from their own people, the Jews. And they were paid extremely well to do this. So you can see why these tax collectors would be hated. They would be considered traitors and they would be hated even more than the Romans themselves because they were their own people helping to oppress their own people. And so one day, Jesus is walking along, and one of these tax collectors, his name was Zacchaeus. He had heard about Jesus. But Jesus constantly traveled with this huge horde, this crowd of people. You had his disciples, but then you also had the people that were traveling with him to see the miracles. And then you got Pharisees and teachers of the law that are there to trick Jesus because they are afraid of his authority and his power. And this guy, Zacchaeus, he wants to get a look at Jesus. So he runs up ahead of the crowd and he climbs up a tree so that he could see him. And when Jesus gets to this tree, he stops underneath this tree. He looks up at him and he says, hurry up, come on down. I'm coming to your house. And this crowd of Jews that would be following Jesus, you could only imagine their reaction to this. And the scriptures say that everybody began to mutter, he's going to be the guest of a sinner and not just a sinner, a tax collector. And evidently Zacchaeus hears this because he turns to Jesus and he says, look, I'll give half of all my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody, which was also common among tax collectors, I'll pay back four times the amount I cheated them. And so he was willing to cut his wealth in half, give half of everything he had, and then also he will repay anybody four times the amount he cheated them. So there's obviously repentance in Zacchaeus' heart. And Jesus turns in Luke 19, 9, and he says, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man as well is a son of Abraham. In other words, he's still a Jew, even though he's done this. And Jesus then foreshadows everything that he would teach us. And he says this, The Son of Man, speaking of himself, came to seek and save the lost. This was the pinnacle of why Jesus was here, is that he came to seek and save the lost. And I'm sure the muttering and the groaning went on from there because of this tax collector. And verse 11 says, he goes on to tell them a parable that would exemplify. It would parallel real life for them and for us. It says, because he was near Jerusalem, the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear quickly or at once. You see, first of all, they thought the kingdom of God was going to be a physical kingdom where Jesus would lead a rebellion to overthrow their oppressors, the Romans. Side note, the interesting thing about Jesus is even though the Jews felt like they were different than any other country, just like we do, that they were God's chosen people, Jesus actually came, established this upside-down kingdom, putting kings and queens in place in that kingdom, and then left, practically ignoring the fact that God's chosen people, his own nation, were politically, governmentally, and physically occupied by another empire. You see, he knew, this is what Jesus knew, that the rules of the kingdom and the power of the kingdom to operate in full capacity, it could operate in full capacity regardless of political, governmental, and physical occupation and oppression within the physical world. Now, when, as an American, Just like the Jewish people did, I fight for what I believe this country was meant to be. And they did the same thing. But this is where they went wrong, is that Jesus is trying to explain to them that the kingdom of God is in no way limited by the kingdom of this world. 
See, they were in a much worse situation that we're in today, and Jesus left it alone. He barely addressed it if he addressed it at all. Because if it had hindered the kingdom of God, if the kingdom of man and earth had hindered the kingdom of God, he would have had to dealt with that first. But he turns around and he talks to us in this situation, trying to keep their eyes on the kingdom of God instead of the kingdom of man. It's not that the kingdom of man is not important, but it's that the, the, the kingdom of man, you are an overcomer, but in the kingdom of God, you are more than overcomers. In the kingdom of man, the gospel, the good news of the kingdom has had more adversity than anything else on the planet. And yet, it still is victorious. And the moment that I begin to limit God by who is voted president or governor or what laws are passed, as an American, it is your right, it's my right, and actually our responsibility to vote the direction that we feel like that we should go as a country. But the moment that I'm glad that God can now be powerful because our political agendas are in line, because the right person is in the White House, is the moment that I actually limit God to our political and governmental, governmental structure within this natural realm. So fight for all those things and what you think is right. But the moment that that divides you from your brother or your sister, the, the moment that that compromises love, you stepped out of the kingdom of God. The moment that you feel like you have less power in the kingdom of God because of what's going on in this natural realm, we have just downgraded in our minds God's power to this realm that we live in. You see, Paul was physically limited by, an, by the oppressive government of the Romans who imprisoned him. And yet he wrote this. He said, the gospel, although, he says, although I am in chains, the gospel is not chained. And watch this, Jesus operated in that same, underneath that same Roman rule that, that Paul did. And the only thing that limited the kingdom of God when Jesus was on the earth was the unbelief of man. See, this, is, this was a blind spot in their thinking, and I think it's a blind spot in our thinking about the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God is subject to the kingdom of man, which begs the question of us, is listen, we all want things to go right in the natural realm around us, and we should. But do we limit ourselves? Are we so concerned? Are we so consumed with being overcomers in this realm that we forget that we are more than overcomers as kings and queens in this new kingdom that affects and, and, and oversees or overshadows this physical kingdom? And so Jesus would, uh, Jesus would try to help them see and help them focus on what they would be born again to do. And he does that by telling them a parable in verse 12. He says, a man of noble birth went to a distant country and, and was appointed king and then returned home. It's obvious he's talking about himself. This is a parallel. He came to earth and had himself appointed as king and then returned later. Verse 13 says he called 10 servants. He gave him 10 minas. Now, a mina would be um, a three months wages. So you could imagine what three months wages would be. And it, then he told them, put this money to work until I come back. Now, a lot of translations here say occupy until I return. And that word occupy in the Greek language actually meant do business. In other words, do business till I come back. Take what I've given you, reproduce it, 
take, take it and reproduce more because I am coming back. Now, this part of the parable, parable foreshadows the great commission that he would give them that we've been talking about when he left. So he's given us an inside track as to why he came in the first place. And he came to this earth and he gave us resources, which is loving others and resources, I mean, and and serving others and then also our authority in Christ. Because when he comes back, he expects a return of those things into people that are in our lives. Then it says that his subjects hated him and they sent him a, a message back saying, we don't want you to be our king. Once again, we continue to see the parallels when he's talking about what was going to happen to him here on the earth. And then he says that he was made king, which Jesus was made king in this new kingdom. However, he returned home, which he did, and they sent for the servants to be given the money uh, to find out what they had been gained, what they had gained. What they're talking about, what he's talking about is after this realm when we get to heaven. And so he says to his servants that he gave the money to, to find out what they had gained with it. In other words, they shouldn't just spend it on themselves. Yes, we need to serve others and we need to love others. And there is a positive feeling within the, within the kingdom. You reap what you sow. So if you sow love, if you're going to get love. If you sow joy, you're going to get, get uh, joy. But if that's the only reason that you do it, and you're, you're not going to gain anything or anybody in the kingdom of God, you know, and even our authority in Christ. Yes, you could take the promises of God. You could put them in your heart. You can create faith and belief out of them and then speak as a result of what you believe and have what you say. According to Jesus, that's what you can do as a king or a queen. But if you heap that on yourself, if you're only healed for your own comfort and you're not healed for the purpose of being able to focus on mentoring others in the face, or if you have provision, and you're blessed because you understand your power and authority within this kingdom of God, but you heap it on yourself. Let's continue on and see what he says. He says, uh, the, first, the first one that he gave 10 to, he says, Sir, your mina has reproduced 10 minas. So he reproduced what was given to him. And then Jesus in verse 17, he says, Well done, my good and faithful servant, because you have been trustworthy with a very small matter. Take charge of 10 cities. So he's rewarded. Because he's replicated what Jesus has given him. Then he goes to the next one. He says, sir, your, your minor, uh, your minor has, or my minor has uh, replicated five. And so he said, go, we'll give you five cities. And then the last one said, here's your minor. I have kept it away and put it in a piece of cloth. In other words, I protected it. I used it for myself, but I never put it to work. I never replicated it. I did not duplicate it. Verse 21 says, I was afraid of you because you are a hard man and you take out what you did not put in and you reap where you did not sow. And Jesus, uh, listen, you know, just to say to Jesus, God, it's hard enough to stay saved myself. It's hard enough to live my own life. It's hard enough for me to make it through this life on my own. So I hold on to my own salvation. I just hold on to my own authority in Christ, but I rarely, if ever, share my faith. Rarely, if ever, bring anybody to you, Jesus, or your church. Rarely, if ever, do I ever mentor other people in the faith to teach them the things that you have taught me. And his master replies in verse 22, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. Now, now hold up just a second. Wicked servant? I mean, he was his servant. He didn't lose his money. He used his authority that God gave him in this kingdom of God. He was good to others, but it didn't produce 
And he says, you knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in or, or reaping where I didn't sow. So why didn't you put, at least put my money on deposit or in the bank so that when I come back, I could have collected interest? And, he sta- and then he said to those standing by, take this man's money away from him and give him to the one that has 10 minus. And they said, but he's already got 10. And, G- and he replied, I tell you, everybody that has, more will be given to them. But those that have nothing... See, because if we have a mindset of replication, putting things to work and reproducing ourselves in the faith, you're going to actually have more within the kingdom of God. But when everything about our lives is just about us within this kingdom of God, we'll lose what we already have. And so going back to the very point that Jesus has tried to illustrate with this parable, back in verse 10, he said, For the Son of Man, speaking of Jesus, came to seek and to save the lost. And then he tells this parable in order to tell you and in order to tell me that our very purpose upon this earth is to seek and to save the lost. And every minor, every talent, every skill, every blessing from God, our authority in Christ, the love of God that is shed abroad in our heart toward others in this upside down kingdom to love other people, not because they deserve it, but because he first loved us. All of these All of these promises of God are to be able to seek and save the lost. It all comes full circle to the Great Commission. So, what does this mean for us? How do we practically apply this to our life? My friends, 2020 is only half over, and it has been a seriously rough year. I mean, we've experienced a pandemic that the United States has not experienced since the early 1900s, a financial crisis that we haven't seen since the 1920s, racial unrest that we haven't seen since the 1960s. And we're coming upon maybe the most polarizing election that we possibly ever had. I I don't know. But with all those things, all those things concern me greatly. But can I be honest with you? The things that concerns me more than any of those natural things is that we, the church in America, and even Living Word Family Church. What concerns me is the possibility that we lose focus in this new kingdom on what we were born again to do in this upside down kingdom. That the whole reason that you breathe and I breathe is to go into all the world, all of our world and proclaim the good news. Share Jesus, his love, his church, and for you and for me to individually, as well as corporately, mentor people in the faith. And the moment that we forget that we are supposed to occupy, produce, replicate, that's why we were born again. When we replace that with temporal things that yes, are important and we need to focus on them, but when we replace them, if we replace our very destiny and our very calling with these normal things, with these worldly things, and yeah, we need to debate over racial issues, over politics, over all, over, Uh, COVID. But if we allow any of those things to put us at odds with each other to the point that we forget that we're on the same team with the same purpose, the same calling to make disciples, then we've lost. It is possible that you win your country for your ideals and your beliefs in this temporal realm, but we lose the whole purpose that we were born again into this upside down kingdom where all the rules are different, where the goals are different. 
the authority, it's different. The power is different and love is different. So I wanna encourage you, occupy till he comes. Do business in the kingdom until he comes. Be on his team to seek and save the lost above everything else and make disciples, mentoring them in the faith. I hope you've enjoyed this series. I hope that it's helped us to stay focused in this time when distractions are absolutely everywhere. I love you all. 